SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapete on SAFM. Miss Kanyima Kubane, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Songheza. How are you doing? Welcome back. Where were you? Were you ill? Thank you, you very holiday? much. Thank were you very tired? much. It was the latter. I think I hadn't realized how much burnout I'd been suffering and it just had to happen when it happened. Yeah, indeed. So I didn't think I'd be answering this question, but I suppose it is only proper that I respect the listeners and just tell them, guys, I'm fine. I'm happy. Thanks for those who reached out personally. I just needed to take a break for a couple of days if you like to recharge the batteries. And I hope my voice now sounds like I did on the 1st of April 2019 when I first started (laughs) here on The Viewpoint. Well, Thanks I guess asking, you hit the you? ground running tonight because there's a lot happening. Excellent. Can I be the broadcaster now? Can I be the host and can you be the guest? <laughs> I tell you, must keep up. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Marikana Massacre, yesterday, eight years. Your thoughts? Well, you know, with Marikana, it's always going to be a bit of a sore point because we know that there hasn't really been um, what people are expecting in terms of atoning for what happened in terms of the compensations um, taking place. And, of course, we know that the EFF has really stepped up in terms of fighting the cause for uh, Marikana. In fact, we've just seen their former uh, chairperson advocate, Dalim Bofu, challenging the president, you know, and saying that he should apologize or face the court. And he's saying that it is actually a travesty of justice that eight years later, you know, compensations still haven't been made. But he's raising another important point here, Songhezo. He's saying that we now need the human element. In fact, he's quoted saying that the issue of an apology is more important to them than the money because they want closure. So it would seem as if um, this is beyond just uh, getting compensation in terms of money. But let's just acknowledge that a wrong was done. Let's acknowledge that people lost their lives and let's acknowledge that Marikana is is a stain on our country's history that never should have happened and they are saying that that is even more painful and parties like the EFF have really honed in on that and they are using it as a weapon to chip away at um, the ANC's credibility certainly in the Northwest province you know where Marikana is you know we know that uh, the EFF is rising in prominence in that area and they're using the Marikana issue, you know, to really hit at government. And it doesn't uh, help that up to now we haven't had um, the kind of compensations that we thought we'd have by now. We know that... um, the president in his uh, speeches when he was on the campaign trail had also spoken a lot of uh, Marikana when he was campaigning and he said that he apologized for the way in which it had been done and the way things had been carried out. He said in retrospect he realizes that things could have been done better but yet, um, you know, parties like the EFF are saying that he has not yet gone back to Marikana to apologize. And you raised an interesting point in your opening intro and you asked why are all the other other uh, parts of the value chain not being um, attacked in the same way. The Commission of Police, the Police Minister, um, you know, Minerals and Energy, Mr. Susan Shabangu, you know, there's a whole list of people who were involved in making the decisions that were ultimately made and led to the Maracana Mexica. Why are all those people, you know, in essence, not being seen in court papers, being uh, respondents, you know, that are being cited in court cases? Well, because he is the president. That's 
say they're going after him. He's the first citizen of this country. It doesn't get higher than him. And if there is any chance that opposition parties can paint him as anything less than a saint, then that's what they're going to use. It's a political weapon. Kanye, this has been going on for eight years. Yes. For most of these eight years, the president was Jacob Zuma. There wasn't yes. a call for Jacob Zuma to go to Marikana. Jacob Zuma was the first president of the ANC, was the first president of this country not to go to Marikana. President Zuma has never gone to Marikana. Of course, he was summoned back. I think it was a trip to Mozambique at a SADC level where he came back to address the nation. He didn't do so from Marikana. No prominent individual within the ANC or within the structures that were involved in that have since gone to address the people of Marikana to atone, mm -hmm. if that is the word that is necessary, to apologize or to confirm the deliverables in line with the following inquiry. Nothing has taken place. Ramaphosa, at all relevant times, was no more than a shareholder who controlled at best 9% of Lonmin. Why is he the most prominent name when there have been many who were prominent at the time of this event? Susan Shabangu, Minister of Mines, Ria Piecha, who went on and said this was a show of responsible policing. 34 miners were killed. She said this is responsible policing. Jacob Zuma, the president at the time, was neither there, nor did he say this is not responsible policing. He didn't at all engage those words of, of, of Commissioner Piecha. And of course, Natim Teto was the minister of police at the time. I'm not defending a Ramaphosa. I'm simply asking why is his name more prominent than all the other names? Yes, he's the number one now, but there was a number one before him. At all material times, it was Mr. Zuma. Now, you, you, you're very correct in saying that the president at the time of Marikana was President Jacob Zuma. And you'll remember that what people chose to go after Jacob Zuma on was Ngandla. That was his case. That was what made him to fall on his sword. And for Ramaphosa, it is very much in Marikana. And they're not going for him because he was a shareholder then. They're going for him because he's the president now. And like I said, he, if this is a political warfare. You know, this is a strategic political tool, and it also has to do with political allegiances in many ways. If you look at uh, where, for instance, the um, Julius Malemas of this world come from with the former president, uh, Jacob Zuma, there was a time when uh, the, the former ANC Youth League uh, president, Julius Malema, said, I will kill for Zuma. And of course, he later went back on those statements when he moved on politically. But that's how far back that allegiance goes, whereas they don't have the same type of allegiance with uh, the Ramaphosa camp, if I may put it that way. There's almost a feeling that Ramaphosa represents white capital or white monopoly capital, as, as it's been termed. And, you know, he's been a made a scapegoat, a representative of white capital in this country. And they're going after him because that is being used as the political weapon that actually shows that um, the, the president is being accused time and time again of, you know, they've called him a puppet of the different Rupert Oppenheimer families, and there's another family recently that um, uh, Janice Malema was talking about that said uh, raised the president himself as a child. So, you know, there are many of these narratives that uh, are going on because they're creating a certain perception. You know, it's not just um, in, in a vacuum. There's a specific, uh, you know, perception that's being created by these political, um, you know, utterances and, and narratives that are being repeated okay. time and time again. Let's go to the caller in Cape Town. 90 seconds starts now. Good evening, Colin in Cape Town. 
Morning. Good evening to your guest. You know, You've got 90 seconds. To, um, I'll be listening to this. You know something? On the day of Marikana, 34 were supposedly uh, being shot by the police. But nobody, they were shot nobody by the police. Here, they weren't supposedly no, shot by the police. Yeah, well, they were, they were killed or, by the police or what it's supposed to be. But nobody talks about altogether 44 were killed. What about those 10, the police and the security that were massacred? They were brutally murdered by the people on the copy the day before, two days before. EFF, nobody talks about those people. They just talk about those who were killed on the copy on the day. Now it's about time they put the whole 44 together and the EFF and everybody else is talking about Americana, Americana, include those that were brutally murdered. They were, their throats were cut, some of them. Thank you, Zangeza. I would like your guest to answer that. No, I appreciate that. And I would like also more of the Collins in this country who are listening to the show to contribute, please, because we do have other topics. For instance, the president's speech yesterday and that of the minister and DZ earlier today. Your thoughts? What are you looking forward to level two? I know for a lot of people, nine o'clock is the hour that that matters tomorrow, of course, around the liquor stores being available. And of course, cigarettes at the same time. Ntolume murders and Balinduli, the fact that the DA Electoral Congress is heating up your stories on that. GBV, the entertainment industry, Mbongenengema, Leleti your thoughts. Let's take a. Okay, we've got Mike. Mike, we've got enough time just to, for you to take us to the break. Good evening. Welcome back, Mike Newlands. Good evening. Thanks, Ogeza, and welcome back to you as well and to your guest. Hi, good evening. I want to just quickly. Well, uh, <laughs> you, you, there's so many delicious questions I like to get involved in, but uh, first of all, I think Marikana just simply reflects uh, as a government or as a, as a party how they failed with it. Marikana, Issa Domeni, Nkandla, Tutani, the murder of Collins recently. Uh, it, it's, it's nothing, nobody has been convicted, and I'm absolutely convinced in my life that nobody will be. But really what I want to quickly touch, and I know I've got a little time, and that is the DA. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a DA supporter, and I think really where the DA is at the moment, it's in a fantastically strong position to make a really good case. And I am now the twixt and between as to who's going to vote. And the sadness of it is for me as a DA supporter, I'm now extremely concerned about the colour of the candidate. And I so wish that wasn't going to be the case in the country. I so wish that when Nelson Mandela came in, it wouldn't be about colour, it would be about the quality of the man and what he can offer. That's why I love America. The they, majority of them are white and they voted in a so-called black as a president because they saw him as the best man for the job. But sadly in South Africa, I think the DA needs to take a black guy, not because he'll be the most competent, but because he is black. And that's the tragedy of our country as we seem to play this colour card all the time and it's not doing our country any good. So, Mike, stay on the line. Stay on the line. We're yes. going to go to the break. Sorry, we're going to go to the break. I have to engage it. I can't let it go. Let's go to the break now, please. Mike, please stay on the line. If we have to call you back, we shall do so. Ms. Ka- Ms. Kanyima Kubani, political analyst and broadcaster. She's our analyst in these topics. Level 2, Marikana, Leletim, Balintulim, Tolima murders. Let's take the break now. I have to engage Mike before I let him go. Thank you so much. Let's take a break. SMS SAFM now on 41391. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. 
We're back. This is Songas on my paper on SAFM, The Viewpoint. This is the open line where we discuss any number of topics. The chosen topics this evening are the President's speech on Level 2, Marikana Massacre, the anniversary eight years on from yesterday specifically, Leletu Kumalo and Mungeni Ngema and matters to do with gender-based violence in the entertainment industry, Mbalin Tuli and the DA Electoral Congress together with her counterpart in this matter, particularly the incumbent, Mr. John Stienhazen, and we're talking about as well the Mtualume murders. If you have an opinion on any of these five topics, 0891-104-207 is the number to dial. Mike, my response to you, please. I, I, I ordinarily wouldn't do this, but I simply cannot take it lying down when you say effectively, and I'm paraphrasing here, you would like the DA to pick a black candidate who may not necessarily be the best candidate. Why do you patronize black people like that? Why do you use that term to refer to what you think is the best strategy for the DA to win the elections from the ANC? Why do you think black people are so gullible to be hoodwinked into voting the DA simply because they find that a black person is there, therefore is sufficient? Why can you not marry competence with a black person? Because I don't find you saying the same thing about John Stiernhazen. Why do you believe that black has to be first understood in the context of not necessarily be the best candidate. Have you looked at the record of Ms. Mbalinduli and the fact that for a 27-year-old in the black, I mean, in the DA, she's as good as any member of the DA before. Her record is just as good as that of Lindy Wemazibuko at the time at which Lindy Wemazibuko took on and out Ethel Trollope. Why do you patronize this particular candidate simply because you might have a preference that is not her? Uh, okay, <laughs> what a great question. I love these questions. And no, I don't have any particular preference for a color at all. That's why I said earlier, that's what I love about America. Uh, their America is predominantly white, but they voted in a black person because they in America saw him as the best man for the job, and he turned out to be a great president, and they were right. I think they're certainly missing today. But back in South Africa, unfortunately, we have a president who will stand up in parliament when he avoids, uh, and he will say things like this. What the department, um, what he did, this is nice, we're talking about a DA member, whilst our people were being slaughtered by, slaughtered by the apartheid regime, and as I check, he is white and being white. Now, this is our president talking in parliament. What we play in this country is the race card. So we have a situation where there is very little information out there other than the fact that somebody who voted ANC is constantly reminded about apartheid, which happened 24 years ago. And you know my history with apartheid. I, I can, I've got pretty good credentials there. But I, the race card is paid on a basically daily basis. So what happens is whenever a black guy like Musi Maimani was elected, what was he called? He was called like a, a coconut, a white puppet. And whatever he did and whatever he said, he was attacked by the ANC as being a friend of the racist, white monopoly capital. So in other words, what we don't have here, Sangeza, is a level playing field. Unfortunately, in South Africa, it is all about color. Expropriation without compensation is a complete nonsense. It's never going to happen. But that card okay, is going Mike, to be played, Sangeza, I'm going to have to have the next election because it's going to be... We must separate the whites from the blacks. That way you'll hate me and I'll hate you. And that's how the ANC is going to keep our country together. It's not about putting in the best guy to the job. And no, I certainly don't judge anybody on the color of their skin. I ran a business on this. So when I ran that business... No, 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 that's exactly what you did, Mike. Let's end this. I've given you sufficient time for a right of reply. That's exactly what you did when you said you would much rather in the circumstances see a black person take over who may not necessarily be the best candidate. In other words, in your eyes, whoever is there and is black in the DA 
leading that candidate. Your postulation was may not necessarily be the best candidate. That is race baiting, of, be it of a very opposite kind of the one that you are lamenting and saying is not good. I'm not convinced. If you have thoughts on that, on another day we'll take it on. But we have to move on. Let's go to Tebuho in the Free State and Sakila in Durban, respectively. Good evening, gents. Okay. Sonia uh, uh, Mm. Why the, the reason uh, the people are following uh, the whole South Africa know the reason why they are following the president so that he must go and apologize. Because the president during that time, uh, he was the shareholder of uh, a London Amplat in Impala. And then he made a, he wrote an email to tell the police they must make sure they are uh, removing those, those people there by the copy. That is a, Mm-hmm. The main reason why you see the whole South Africa is calling. And uh, the president by that time, you know, he was also a member of NUM during the times of the mines there. He led a lot of uh, strikes. And then he know when you uh, go to approach uh, about 4,000 and then the police were around about 150 with a soft skin, uh, you know. Hello, Songas, are you there? Very much. Yes, and then now you, you send the police there with a soft skin uh, vehicles instead of uh, using armored vehicles. He knows very well. He led a lot of 1997 strikes around the uh, uh, here and uh, this week there at, uh, and uh, Western area. He knows exactly how to approach the, the reason, the main reason he made an uh, email that the police must remove people there, but he didn't. Uh, put now a, a, a protective measure to say don't go there with the soft skin. Make uh, use the armored vehicle. Nobody must be on the soft skin. Now that is the reason South Africa wants him to go and apologize. Thank you so much, Tebukho in Free State. I've got a response for you, but I'll do so after Sakila in Durban and the analysis of Kanye. Sakila, good evening. Hey, hola. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the, the argument of what about what about the other 10 people who were killed before the, the actual massacre, you know, as if their lives don't matter, that argument is, is badly constructed because, because it is the same as the argument that says, okay, women are killed in this country, then what about men? Black lives matter, then all lives matter. It's a very same argument because we know very well that those 10 people be, before the actual massacre, they were not directly killed by the state. The focus is on the 34 because they were directly killed by the state. You know, so as I'll make an example, from the Union of South Africa in the early 1900s to 1994, there were a lot of murders that happened. But there are two massacres that, that we remember very well here in South Africa. The June 16 and the Sharpville massacre. And, and other people, when we celebrate the Sharpville, when we commemorate the Sharpville massacre and June 16, they don't ask what about the other murders that happened in that period of time. So for them to actually ask about what about the other 10 uh, people who were murdered, I think it's a very badly constructed argument and it has no point. In it, people will, and, and and other people they say, okay, other people are using this um, 34 minors as some political football. Well, that's a conspiracy theory unless you can prove it. It remains a conspiracy theory. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't ever prove that there is some political football behind <laughs> this. You know, I know it is time up. Theory. Thank you so much, Sakila, calling you. us in Durban. Appreciate your thoughts. I think just a brief response to Debuho, and then I'm going to give Kanye an opportunity to wrap up this entire segment in a minute or two with all the comments that have come through. 
it's it's a pity the president doesn't really have a good PR game in relation to and, and, and it's way too late for him now to start strategizing to extricate himself from the narrative about Madigana and his name. But the president sent no more than an email to the Minister of Mines. And the particular word that really got him into trouble was dastardly criminal acts. Okay, those three words. If I'm a shareholder and I write that to the Minister of Mines, are you going to blame me for a massacre? Perhaps you might for the fact that I carry a very particular attitude into a very sensitive situation. But surely, if a Minister of Mines can then on the basis of that email of me no more than being a shareholder, summon state institutions and resources to go and cause for a massacre of the kind that we saw, then we've got an even bigger problem in relation to how our state institutions are handled than we probably care to admit. I absolutely do not take away the responsibility in part that President Ramaphosa might have in relation to the Margana massacre. But if we're going to rely on that email and say he's complicit by virtue of that email, it is even more telling in relation to what an email can do to coordinate state resources that can ultimately cause for specifically the mowing down in 12 seconds of 34 South African miners. Your thoughts on that, finalizing the conversation with us, Ms. Kanyima Kubani, political analyst and broadcaster, two minutes. All right, in two minutes, uh, some of your listeners made uh, quite inflammatory um, you know, comments, especially your listeners from, from Cape Town. I want to respond quickly to Mike, you know, who says that there's a lot of uh, race card playing in South Africa. And I wanted to ask him many times, who plays the race card? Don't white people play the race card. They do too. They are the victims. They position themselves as the victims of um, the new government that has in all, in essence, uh, neglected and ignored them as minorities and inverted commas and as white people. And I think that the challenge to uh, John Stenhazen from Mbalindu is going to be a very controversial one. I wish we had more time to unpack um, the, the demise, I would call it, of the DA in many ways um, since the departure of Musumayamani, who in all intents and purposes was one of the DA's strongest leaders. And it also points to the question that you asked back to uh, your listener, if black equated incompetence and white equated competence. And those are some of the issues that they are struggling with. We've got white power gunning for black votes. And and that's a very like um, mismatched way of running a political party because there's always going to be conflicting views in terms of representation of black people's interests, pro-poor policies in the Democratic Alliance. They remain amiss. You know, we, the DA has not come forward strongly in terms of positioning itself as a party that represents the poorest and the most disenfranchised in our society, yet they want their votes, yet they need those numbers because those votes equal seats in Parliament. That's a political play and that's a political game. We know that. Um, on the issue of level two, I wish we had time to get... 30 seconds. All right, 30 seconds. Um, I think another one to watch. Mtolume uh, murders the main uh, serial killer. The main guy has committed suicide. IPED is going to investigate whether police were involved or whether he died because he didn't want to reveal himself. Ultimately, as I wish more women had called in to engage in some of your issues, and I wish we had time. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot happening in South Africa, and I'm available to talk whenever you want to. There's a lot happening. And I'm sure the producers heard that. Thank you so much, Ms. Kanyima Kubani, political analyst and broadcaster. We sure shall use your voice and perspectives again, this time on another week on the viewpoint. Let's take a very short break. We've got Mr. Herman Pretorius, the deputy head of policy and research at the Institute of Race Relations.